Hello, and welcome to Beyond Consulting, brought to you by ECA Partners. For those of you joining for the first time, the aim of our podcast is to help listeners answer the question, what career or jobs are available to me after a career in consulting? I'm Ken Canera, host of Beyond Consulting and CEO of ECA Partners, a specialized project staffing and executive search firm focused on former management consultants and private equity. Each week, I get to host guests that have spent time in consulting and made some sort of pivot or career change. The goal is to help our audience understand all the options that they have available to them and ideally learn from our guests, both in terms of what they did right and things they wish they would have done differently. Today, we welcome Ken Hooten to the studio. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Other than your extremely wonderful first name, I might add, um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of, you know, what brings you here today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you reached out to me. We we're, you know, we have a handful of connections in common and um, I spent a number of years at Deloitte in consulting, uh, focused supply chain, retail, and CPG. Uh, before that, I worked in industry, or um, as I've learned after consulting, a lot of people don't say industry um, if you've never worked in consulting. But I worked with uh, Nike and Land Lakes and a handful of other places. Yeah, and uh, and that is funny, right? That's something that you only say when you're in consulting. Is oh, uh, well, is that what they say in industry? And and then you realize you get out of it, and no one actually uses that term. No, no, <laughs> people in quote unquote industry, <laughs> they look at you weird. Yeah, like what industry are you talking about? Um, so uh, yeah, so so Ken, um, you are currently with Anaplan, is that right? Awesome. And and um, could you tell just for our, our audience that doesn't kind of know what Anaplan does, what it is you all do? Yeah. So Anaplan's a SaaS company. Uh, we're focused on enterprise planning. Uh, a number of years ago, our founders uh, started taking a look around planning in general for enterprises, large enterprises, and realized that the vast majority of companies rely on Excel, PowerPoint, sending data over email, over the proverbial fence to be able to collaborate and plan cross-functionally. So they created an in-memory calculation platform, uh, all based in the cloud, that's supposed to help uh, streamline that those planning activities um, and reduce the ad hoc you know, nature of, of planning how it's kind of developed over the years, especially relying on Excel. Um, you know, the idea here is we have a platform. It's connected to or should be connected to your enterprise systems, your systems of record, and allows your finance teams and supply chain teams and sales teams and human, human capital teams to plan with each other. So as your demand forecasts are updated, your sales forecasts are updated, that's uh, immediately fed into your finance team to update revenue forecasts or margin forecasts and fed into your supply team so they can update their plans and make sure that they're able to deliver on the, on the customer demands. Um, it's been really fun. It's something that I think has... Uh, filled a huge void in a number of companies and something that while I was consulting, I realized was a pretty big need because whenever we were asked questions, it was always, where are we going to get the data and uh, how are we going to turn around something that the client can use in the future? 
And it was always coming back to, we're going to put it in SQL or Access or Excel and hand them over this little tool. Um, and I think Anaplan fills that need and can go beyond that. You mentioned a variety of different functions. You mentioned sales, you mentioned supply chain, you mentioned strategic planning. What is the most common use point or entry point that you are seeing at Anaplan? Yeah, so I think our, our three core areas are finance, financial planning, balance sheet, cash flow, um, income statement type planning, so that core FPNA. And then we have a really strong supply chain practice. We were just named a leader by Gartner in supply chain planning. And then our sales performance management. So incentive compensation, territory and quota planning, um, that whole breadth sales forecasting is, is a, a, another key strength of ours. So really connecting those three pieces and filling onto that, all of those functions are either, you know, a company's top line dollars are going to headcount planning or from a supply chain or sales standpoint, there's a lot of headcount planning that has to go into that. So that's a natural kind of fourth pillar that makes a lot of sense, especially especially the sales and finance component. I mean, for for me, even when we just first started talking, right? Like, Anaplan to me was synonymous with supply chain, but it makes sense that obviously there's going to be integrations with other with other kind of parts of the business. And in terms of kind of like the clients that you're working with, I imagine it's just a wide range, right? From Fortune 1000 to to startups. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. What does that look like? Yeah, um, I think we're over 1,500 uh, customers right now um, globally. Uh, I personally, in customer success, work with a lot of our CPG and retail brands. Can't go into a lot of their names uh, just due to confidentiality. Um, But I think if you went to our website, you'd see a lot of the brands that you'd uh, expect to see out there. And um, it's been really exciting. Uh, It's been able to continue my career uh, in an, an industry that I enjoy, which is the CPG retail space. And speaking of your career, what is it exactly? So what is exactly you do for Anaplan? What, what's kind of your role? Yeah. So one of the big things that Salesforce created in the SaaS space was customer success. And the idea was because SaaS is a reoccurring revenue business, The idea was, how do you ensure customers are happy and successful with the annual payments they're making to you as a SaaS company? Anaplan's approach here is very similar, but we're focused on becoming the trusted advisors to our customers as both the platform experts, as the industry experts in the process, uh, maybe not experts, but process consultants to help them best use the platform that they're paying for and enable the value that they're expecting. So generally, if someone's going to go buy a software tool and spend the money to implement it, they want to make sure that they're getting some sort of return on investment or they're making things easier for their employees. As customer success, we're here to help them get through that and understand that and document it, but also uh, you know, uh, help them leverage and a plan in the best way possible. It's not as easy as Excel. It's not as hard as some other enterprise tools, but having an expert, you know, hand in hand with our customers 
is critical to make sure that they're successful and they you know are happy with the tool. And we've talked about this a, a little bit before previously, Ken. And, and part of the reason I wanted to have you on the on the show was just I think what you're doing and Anaplan is doing with customer success is really interesting in that it's it's taking a very kind of like strategic, long term, customer first look at everything from kind of uh, sales to implementation to kind of ongoing support and building like business cases. Could you talk a little bit about kind of like how Anaplan thinks about customer success and and also how it's a little bit different and and evolving? Yeah. So the way I approach it is if my customers are successful, they're going to renew their licenses. They're going to say, yes, Anaplan is great. We want more of it, or we're going to continue doing the same things that we're doing. And at the end of the day, that's positive for Anaplan. That's positive, hopefully, for our customer as well, because that's, you know, by saying, yes, we want more Anaplan, it means it's working for them. And it makes it very much a symbiotic relationship of us helping them. They're getting what they need out of it. They're achieving their goals on a quarter-by-quarter basis or a year-by-year basis. And that makes it very easy to work with the customer and help them get better at either the process, the data, or, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, hitting their top-down metrics, whether that's revenue growth, margin control, cost control, take your pick. So do you, is part of what you do understanding their kind of business objectives and kind of KPIs that they're trying to hit? I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, you know, when I work with a customer, when I start working with them, the first thing I do if they're public is go read their public statements and, and their financials and understand what their top-down goals are. Um, I think to ensure success with any type of software, if you can link what your software is able to do for your end users to the CEOs or the CFOs overall goals, that means the software becomes in a sales term sticky. But more than that, it means that the people that you're working with are going to be more successful at their jobs. And I very much like seeing the folks that I work with being successful because that means that they're getting promoted, they're happy, they're enjoying their path and their journey. And for me, that's that's really rewarding to see people winning that I'm working with in in the ability for me to help them win. The there's a professor at Harvard Business School. I can't think of her name, but the, there's like this famous trust triangle. I'll, I'll put the link in the podcast when I when I actually figure out who who, who did this, so I give them the credit. But the there's there's three kind of elements. It's like authenticity, logic, and empathy. And I might be messing the, the messing that up in terms of the nomenclature a little bit, but. You hit on like two of the big ones, which is like logic is, am I asking the right questions? And then empathy, do do I actually care about the other person winning or do, do I care about their success? Um, I think that's so huge and something that is not always, I guess, from what I've seen or observed, always done in the customer success function. A lot of... A lot of it, uh, for better or worse, at least it started with kind of like... The focus is really on renewals, uh, as opposed to the business outcomes of the of your customer or client. Um, and I've seen that evolve. Is that something that you're seeing kind of evolving more broadly? You know, 
obviously outside of Anaplan as well? I don't know outside of Anaplan. I know really for us, our focus is absolutely on that renewals. But the way I've been taught in this space is if you focus on that customer being successful, the renewal is then a non-event. Then the renewal is, yeah, duh, like whatever. It's, you know, we love this. You know, you guys are doing the right things. You're helping us. You're, you're a trusted advisor. You're a trusted partner. The renewal isn't a question. It's, you know, what's next? It's how can we go do more? How can we get better? Uh, and how can we make those improvements? And the hope is that you can get away from a transactional nature and really get to that, you know, that next level of building that trust, having that empathy with the customer, and really understanding what their needs are. And if you're doing that, again, it comes back to renewal isn't a, a tough question. It's not a hard negotiation. There might be some commercials that you have to figure out, but it's a yes, and a plan check. It hits the box, like it hits the mark. It's doing what we expect it to do. We want to go do more, like help us figure out what's next. And how did you get into customer success? I left Deloitte Consulting to help out a nonprofit in the Bay Area. I had worked with them while a consultant and wanted to get off the road. Um, from there, I started. Uh, knowing it was an interim role, I started thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I knew I didn't want to be on the road. I didn't want to be doing the consulting. I had some friends at Anaplan. So I started asking questions about what is Anaplan? What are they doing there? What are the rules in software? Because I hadn't been around software at all. And um, uh, I found out more and more about customer success. And I was really excited about being able to uh, help customers in the industries that I liked, the CPG, retail, uh, food and beverage, but also use the skills that I built in consulting of translating business requirements, business needs, business outcomes to more of a technical uh, requirement um, and bridging that gap between business and technology. And I had found that that was a space that I was enjoying and, and was able to fill um, better than some others. So I, you know, I started finding out more about what customer success did, how we worked at Anaplan and how Anaplan worked as a tool. Um, so, you know, I found my way in there. Uh, what really attracted me and what allowed me to get a step in is we really help on the scoping and definition from a customer success standpoint, we help on the scoping and definition of projects. So it's very discreet, very like, very much like consulting. But then there's that next phase of after an implementation is done, after the first three six months, three to six months, um, how are you helping that customer be successful after that implementation? So really leveraging that implementation background at Anaplan to then take it to the next level and really make something sticky because that was something that I missed out on while at Deloitte. You, you're generally doing these implementations and these discrete projects, and then you're off to the next client. You're not sticking around to see uh, how it worked out. One of the things that you said, which was interesting, was you kind of stumbled into or found customer success, which is something that we've seen a ton. It's not something, it's not, it's, it's funny, it's not a career where folks immediately out of consulting go, I want to do customer success. It's like, oh, I didn't really realize there was this 
unique blend of consulting plus commercials to a certain extent, but also, by the way, I'm going to help this client of mine see long-term success. Um, it was so that it sounds like that was kind of your story as well. Yeah, very similarly. And some things that I've recognized since coming into customer success, when you're in consulting in the earlier years, associate, consultant, manager, um, you're really focused on what are the processes, what are best practices, how to consult really functionally oriented or industry oriented. Once you get to later years of manager, senior manager, partner, principal, you're really focused on relationship building, account management, um, much more of what I would say is a sales attitude, um, which was really eye-opening for me because I, I never liked the sales word. I never, you know, I, I never thought I'd be in sales or account management. And I realized in consulting, you kind of make that transition from functional practitioner to account manager, people manager, uh, really sales. Because once you're at that partner level, your responsibilities are, yeah, deliver a great project, great outcomes for your clients, but that's all a means to selling your services. And I've, it's made me realize that some of the best salespeople that I've worked with, some of the best CS or customer success people I've worked with are coming from consulting and approach sales from a consultative standpoint. They're focused on what does the customer need? What is right for the customer? And if you do that, then you're building that trust, that third pillar of the triangle you were talking about. And it makes that whole process way easier because you're not trying to climb uphill. You're listening to the customer. You're very much trying to solve their problems. In in return, they're helping to, you know, helping you to hit your goals, whether that's renewals or, or sales or whatever it might be. Yeah, I I like to call it. I, I think we talked about this the last time we talked about. I like to call it like the 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 give a shit rule. Like, do, do, do you actually give a shit? If if you do, it's not that it's not rocket science, right? But like, if you don't, like, if you if you shut down and don't care about what's happening on the other end, right? Then people see through it. It's 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 not like again. I, I I'm laughing because I think it's it's such a simple thing. Um, like I don't know if it goes back to the golden rule, like when we learn in kindergarten, but it's like, I think people are more observant than, than we probably even realize. So. Yeah, I would, I would say so. And, you know, someone I sat down with, um, my father-in-law who was in sales his entire career. And I was asking him keys to success when I came over into this role, because it was so new being part of a sales organization. And, you know, one of the top ones is following up and doing what you said you'd do. And if you can do those two things, you're going to be able to build that trust, build those relationships. And that right there shows the empathy. The other piece there is being curious, asking questions. And I think consultants are really good at those three pieces. It's ingrained into us, uh, you know, no matter what level you start at, but it's ingrained into a successful consultant to do those three things. And that's going to make you successful at most any job, but especially so in customer success and sales. 
Yeah. And I guess speaking of that, so, you know, when you're hiring kind of like for your team and, and you're considering new folks for customer success roles, I'm sure we touched on a few of them, but I guess what else do you kind of look out for? Yeah, I think, so first of all, I'm an individual contributor, so I'm not hiring anyone myself. Um, I think in a little bit of projection here, I, when I look at our CSDs and our AVPs, um, our customer success directors and uh, area vice presidents, I think they're looking at, from an ANA plan standpoint, do you have planning skills? Have you done FP&A, supply chain planning, sales performance management, those type of kind of hard skills? Have you done the analytics pieces? Have you either worked with uh, uh, multidimensional tools or uh, two, three-dimensional tools? So multidimensional is Anaplan. It's any number of dimensions that you want to create a singular double dimension is like an Excel or a SQL um, tableau, those types of um, two, three dimension tools. Have you worked in that space? And then have you worked um, within a technical space doing implementations of any sort, whether that's project, you know, agile project implementation methodology, just those basics. And then, you know, where have you been able to put that into practice? Has it been with a company? Has it been in consulting? And then lastly, do you have kind of that Anaplan flavor to the way you work? Um, And those are the, the key structures, I think, that we try to focus on. That makes sense. So technical, planning, analytical, that sounds a lot like a consultant profile, um, which I, I think kind of bridges nicely to the next topic, which is your time at Deloitte. Um, one of the things I think that's really interesting about kind of like having you on the show is you're one of our first guests that started in quote unquote industry and then went into consulting. So you have a really unique perspective because most of us did it the other way around, right? Um, I guess curious to hear kind of what kind of projects you worked on at Deloitte. And then I would love to dive into kind of like what it was like joining Deloitte from quote unquote industry and like where you felt like it was different experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I left Nike to go to grad school. Um, I went to grad school thinking that I wanted to grow my leadership capabilities, grow my educational capabilities and figure out what was next. I was very privileged and very thankful to have the opportunity to go to Deloitte. And what was really attractive to me was working on a variety of different projects, working with a variety of different customers and creating a depth and breadth of my skill sets. Um, Through that, I was able to work on merger and acquisition type projects. So day zero, day one, uh, go lives of, hey, uh, PE just bought this firm. How do we split out the supply chain from their own firm? Uh, to Two, four-week assessments of, hey, this customer thinks that they have a problem in this space. Let's put a team together and go and evaluate where they're at create a give them a maturity model and let them know short, middle, and long term what what they need to work on to get better and or to solve that problem. And then more broadly and towards the end, I it was very much working with our technology teams on big ERP implementations. What are the best practices that the business should be adopting 
to enable an SAP or an Oracle implementation to redo their entire technical suite. I was coming at it from a business perspective, but very much, you know, working with the technology teams at both Deloitte and the customer to say, how does the business need and business requirement translate to a technology? How can the technology co and deliver that? Okay, so everything from kind of M and A supply chain technology. Um, that's that's pretty broad. And and how 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 long how long were you there? Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years. So th- that's a pretty good range of projects, right? Because so we we've heard folks that have come on and said like, hey. Um, if you're not proactive, by the way, at your consulting firm, there's, you can get stuck on 10 airline projects in a row. How did you kind of, I guess, make sure that you got onto different stuff or was it just luck? I think it's being proactive. I think that's a great advice. I think there's a little bit of luck. Uh, from my experience, and I can only speak from that, uh, the biggest pieces that uh, were beneficial to me was being curious and trying to connect with as many senior managers and partners as possible. I think if you get, you know, and speaking what you want, speaking up and saying, hey, I want to go do this versus this. Um, I had a handful of tough conversations throughout the time where I was on an oil and gas customer. And, uh, you know, a while in, I was like, I don't know if oil and gas is really the industry that I want to be working in. So I had that difficult conversation knowing that there's risk to it. Because if you tell a partner that you don't want to work in that partner's industry, then that partner is not going to necessarily, you know, uh, bring you into those projects because that's the industry that they're working in. So you got to be thoughtful about those types of requests or or those wants and desires, and then connecting with partners. Um, I was very fortunate. Our supply chain practice at Deloitte when I was there was a national practice. So I wasn't really constrained like some of the general practice, like the strategy practice, which are assigned to your office, your local office. So I had kind of this bigger network across the U.S. that I could connect with to, you know, kind of work in different industries, work with different types of clients, where I think some analysts and consultants that I had worked with were kind of stuck within their office and they were doing the special projects within their office. So it was kind of constrained to what partners were in that office. If you're, if that doesn't work for you, go work and meet and network with other managers, senior managers, principals, um, or partners that are in the industry that you want to go work in, go do a side project with them, get to know them, show them your work ethic. And, you know, most partners are willing to invest in somebody that's they think is going to do a good job so if you can show and demonstrate that it works out pretty well usually you're bringing up a really interesting point that i don't think is often discussed and that is and you don't realize it until you've left consulting but consulting is this weird world of overly social workplace right and you don't like until you've left consulting, you don't realize like how good you had it. Right. It's like every single Friday there's something going on. Right. And there's some sort of social event. And afterwards you get into kind of what I'll call real life instead of saying industry. Now you get into real life and it's not really like that. Fridays roll around and people go home. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They want to be with their families, right? So I guess like what? Okay, so if if someone's at a consulting firm and wants to make the most of it, so that they can make a successful leap, the way you did, you talk about networking. You talk about kind of like the social environment. Like what what advice do you have to to folks in order to kind of like maximize that? Um, I, I know you gave some specific examples, but like how how do you? I guess how did you? do a good job at networking and still kind of like make it natural. Yeah. I think being curious is the big thing. Asking questions, you know, uh, some of the best questions I like to ask are the why, like, why are you working in this industry? Why do you enjoy it? What, or what do you enjoy about it? And really understanding the person there instead of just, you know, the work stuff. Um, that was really helpful for me. I will caveat that to say, I've been very lucky. I will not say I'm the best networker. Um, I, uh, a bunch of folks that I worked with, I've fallen out of touch with, um, just because I haven't followed up or we all get busy. Um, but finding the folks that you can trust and you want to be close with and have similar ideals to you is super important. Um, and then, you know, taking the time to follow up with them is important. I probably haven't done that enough. I know I haven't, but I have a really strong, but small network and that's what works for me. Everyone's got to go figure out what works for them. I have some other friends that have really large networks and that's what they enjoy and they do really well creating those networks. That's, that's cool. No, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay. So one of the other things I wanted to discuss was, okay, you, you're coming into Deloitte. You've spent time at uh, previously at Nike in a, in quote, quote unquote, the, the, the real world. What was it like working with folks where this is maybe their first kind of gig out of college and they're kind of like getting that that training kind of right away, whereas you were coming in a little bit more experienced? I feel very fortunate because I had seven years of business experience before going to my MBA. So coming into Deloitte, I had a really deep... I, I had some depth to my supply chain experience hands-on that was super beneficial. I think it allowed me to build trust with managers, senior managers, partners very quickly because they understood that from a practitioner standpoint, I could figure out the foundations without a lot of oversight. So I think that made it way easier for me to find my way because I had that depth uh, of practical experience. It also helped me build trust with clients because I'd be able to go back and leverage the stuff that I had done. And uh, a lot of times I had been in their shoes, you know, sitting in front of a warehouse manager when you've managed a warehouse before is a lot easier than sitting in front of a warehouse manager when you've never stepped foot in a warehouse before. So, um, I, I think for me, I had a little bit of a different focus that allowed me to focus on that networking and figuring out the why and the what bef- you know instead of just buckling down and having to focus on the the practitioner piece the the foundations and did you have any kind of challenges getting up the curve in terms of like the structured thinking uh temp everything's a template uh, like all the like the consulting 101 toolkit 
A little bit, just from a, I, I think the hardest thing for me is creating that story in slides. Um, I spent a lot of time doing that at Nike, though. Nike, first and foremost, grew up as a design and marketing, you know, backbone. It, that's Nike's known for storytelling. Um, even when you're in supply the chain, in the world. At, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even when you're in supply chain at Nike, you have to live by that ethos. You have to be a good storyteller. Yes, you need to know the foundations, but being a good storyteller is how you get things done. So I had a lot of that structure. I had been able to be exposed to it a lot in prior experiences. So I think that helped greatly. And then MBA school forces that onto you with all of the cases, reading HBR cases, et cetera, et cetera. Every single class was a case. So you have to build that structure and get into that mindset through school. And that just that fed into consulting that just continues to, to harp on that because that's the way you're successful. I'd say, you know, in customer success, it's the same structure that's helpful now. It's, it's just continuing to carry forward. And my wife and I have even talked that we structure a lot of our conversations around decision-making at home in that manner because we both have MBAs. So it, it, for us, it just makes our life easier and it just kind of flows from business into personal and it's just the way we operate. Yeah, I, I'm laughing because uh, I often get scolded by my wife if, for she'll she'll say uh can you stop talking to me like i'm somebody at work and <laughs> and i'll forget that i'm doing it and it's like well sweetheart let, i think there's three there's three points here and and she's like no stop just just i know there's three points there's always three points and i don't want to hear them <laughs> so <laughs> I guess speaking of uh, storytelling, one of the things that we're always trying to build up here for our podcast is a Beyond Consulting Library. Um, you actually recommended a book to me before we even started recording, which was about golf. But um, what uh, can what other kind of books would you recommend to kind of our listener base? Um, uh, you know, I think the the golf book off the top of my head uh, is really good. Golf's not a game of perfect. Uh, Bob Rutella, um, the psychology of, of golf. I think for me personally, it fits in with business as well. Um, you know, uh, what did I say to you earlier? There's some good shots that end up bad and there's some bad shots that end up great. And I think that's the same thing in business in anywhere you're going, where I come back to is, do you understand the why? Do you understand the process that got you there? And how do you focus on what's next? Um, so, uh, you know, that's that's something I, I, um, I'd recommend if you're a golfer, at least. Um, beyond that, you know, my reading list is a lot of business books. Like uh, recently I read um, The Story of WeWork, The Crash of WeWork. Uh, Bad Blood was something that I just unpacked. We're in the middle of moving uh, that I had to go back and chuckle. Um, and reading books like that to understand how things have either succeeded or failed helps me to, you know, understand doing things the right way is really important to long, long-term success. 
That's awesome. And uh, especially, it's funny, the, the golf book that you recommended. The reason I like that too for consultants is there's two things that's true about consultants is one, we all tend to be perfectionists and we're like insecure overachievers. So anything that can help us uh, with with those two issues, I, I think it's a good thing regardless of whatever the, the topic might be. So, well, excellent. Ken, really appreciate you joining uh, the podcast and and, uh, and kind of sharing your story uh, with with our listeners. Um, if we wanted to learn a little bit more about Anaplan, um, where, where could, I guess, where, you know, what could you share the, the details for that? Yeah, uh, anaplan.com is our website. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, reach out. Uh, I think there's a lot of free information on Anaplan on our website. Uh, throw in your your name and details. Uh, if you put a Gmail in, it, it should be okay. If you just put your personal email. If you're at a consulting firm, most likely there's an Anaplan practice. So do a, a little digging, a little asking around, and um, you'll probably find some folks that know quite a bit about us. Well, excellent. I will provide those uh, links as well in the podcast description. And those of you joining for the first time, if you want to be notified for future episodes, make sure to subscribe on either Spotify or Apple. And if you are looking for information on past episodes, you can check out www.beyondconsulting.info. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, check out eca-partners.com. But until next week, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. And for everybody else, look forward to speaking and hearing from you next week. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye.